What am I hearing? What is this? 80s film reviews fall across the land. The podcast hour is close at hand. Do they stand up to the test of time? Or as an adult, are they just a crime? What is this? Something familiar is in your ear. This time on YouTube, you see a sight that almost stops your heart. Start to squeal. But the song takes the sound before you make it. You fill with glee as audio slips between the ears. It's a podcast. Cause the Rewinders, Rewinders Podcast, and no one's gonna know us from three years ago, you know Rewinders, Rewinders Podcast, you're searching back episodes to see if you ever listen. everybody, this is Joe from The Rewinders. Welcome to a rebooted, restarting, three years later version of The Rewinders. I'm here with new hosts. I'm not new, but I'm here with new hosts who will rotate with me on this adventure into keeping up with movies from our past and if they still hold up. Starting to my right will be Ken. It's a good thing you looked right at me. I'm terrible at directions. <laughs> Ken, what's your experience with 80s movies? 80s movies? So when you're on the Facebook and you see those lists of movies that show up and people are like, you're not an 80s kid unless you've seen all these movies. I'm like, I've seen three of these. You must not be an 80s kid. I was not an 80s kid. And even if I was an 80s kid, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of the uh, movies that were out there. So I just never made it back. Pivoting from Ken is Andy across the table from me. Hi. 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 So what is your uh, experience with, well, starting with oh. 80s movies? Oh, man. Well, um, the interesting thing is, is I was, I was born in 1988, so I, I missed most of the 80s. But honestly, I feel like somebody balled up all of 80s pop culture into a cocoon and basically shoved me into it after I was born. So most of the 90s was spent kind of acclimating myself to 80s culture. So 90% of 80s movies I've seen, I'd say, that's ballpark estimate. And then to Andy's right is Dan. The young one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan. So how how much of 80s movies are you familiar with? I mean, enough. I, I spent a lot of time with pop, I mean, it's a pop culture <laughs> thing. Like, I, growing up in the 90s, there there was just so much. And I feel like I grew, I grew up, I, I was born in 89. I lived through the 90s. Loser. My parents, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you enjoy your 365 days. People ask me about movies, and I know most of the movies that people are talking about. In general, though, we're all pretty much enjoy film is a good starting point i assume here. Oh, I hate, except for I, I except for ken movies. what are you I doing here movies. i enjoy film i just never made it back do you know how many movies they make every year <laughs> <laughs> well that's why we're not doing those oh man and as well we'll be stretching into 90s movies fairly oh, quickly goodness. as well yay so today all of us are getting together in a reboot of the rewinders Talking about rebooting what's already been done. We have Ghostbusters. We have... Twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's going to get better. I consider Tron a reboot. I'm on the fence. Robocop reboot. It was awful. We're not talking about those things just yet. (laughs) Oh, you just... Total Recall reboots. I'm into this one. Star Trek reboots. Star Wars reboots. So there's reboots up the Rewazoo. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one that there. didn't happen, that only was floated, was Princess Bride. So we're going to, even though the Rewinders covered Princess, Princess? 
Princess Bride a while ago. Hey, Steve Brule. <laughs> that's, that's not a shutdown for me. We're going to double back on Princess Bride, talk about it, and uh, talk about the idea of rebooting a movie like The Princess Bride. We all watched the trailer. Whoever wants to start first, let's talk about how did that trailer represent the movie? Oh, it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Princess Bride yeah. is one of my favorite movies. One of, easily one of my top five. I'd never seen the trailer till you posted that link in the Discord. That trailer makes the movie seem just so dark. It really does. It's it does. a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot about killing in that yeah. trailer. Yeah, I, not not what the movie's about I at le- all. <laughs> I legitimately can't remember what it played before because my parents VHSed a lot of things back in the day and taped a lot of things. But I always remember seeing that trailer before some movie that I watched religiously as a child. And I don't know. For some reason, the Billy Crystal part at the end always creeped me out. I could see just, that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was a very dark trailer, though. I will agree with that. <laughs> Billy Crystal part. I don't. I don't remember what part you're talking Billy about. Crystals. The just, Billy Crystals. Just think of Billy Crystal doing something. Yeah. Is that oh, creepy? Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's it. We've watched the movie. Congratulations. Now we can move on. I felt that as it being one of my favorite movies, that the trailer gives away all these important moments. But then, if you think about it in the fact of never watching it. There's not enough context in all those moments to understand what's going on. So yeah. I felt like it was yeah. giving a sweeping view of the movie, but misrepresented the tone of the movie, especially say, the music choices they made. <laughs> I, yeah. trailers do. I feel like oh, this man. trailer was put out there to be like, hey, check out this cool movie. And they're uh, like, no. And they're like, what, what, why? And they're like, it's not, it, no. And they're like, I don't know we can make it more fun. This. And they're like, okay. And then they made the movie more fun. And that's what saved that movie. I don't know if saved the right word, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to the novel that it's based off of, I'm pretty sure they did a good job at cutting it down and, and honing it into the fun parts because. Has anyone here read the book? I novel? Have I, I have known of people who have, and I've heard that there's a whole chapter on luggage. Ooh. Really? What? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but okay. it sounds like they expand on things like way too much sometimes. Anyway, we're not here to reflect on the novel. Let's talk about just a quick summation of the movie. And I'm talking quick, because we've done this before, so we can steamroll this. All right. You seem eager. Go for it. All right. So, uh, douchebag uh, prince? Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, Humperdinck. Douchebag prince wants to basically... uh, Oh, God. How how do I put this into words? I I, I was eager to grab the ball, and now I'm I'm fucking it up. (laughs) (laughs) Double dribble. Double dribble. Double dribbling, yes. Uh, Douchebag prince wants to start a war, uh, so basically he hires some assholes to kidnap his soon-to-be bride to basically bring her to a land that he wants to have wars with. And have her murdered on land to basically spark and ignite that war. It's kind of kind of backtracks to uh, childhood love coming back to kind of bring her back out of that mess. Yeah, not bad. That's a, it's a good elevator pitch, kind yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's probably not what Rob Reiner brought into a room when he pitched it. But yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And then that story is wrapped within a grandfather telling his grandson a story oh God, in his yes. bedroom. When I was younger, I hated that part of the movie because I didn't care about Fred Savage or Peter Falk or the characters they were playing. I cared about all the characters in the story story because they were so good. I will agree with that. As a kid, I, I couldn't care less about Fred Savage and Peter Falk, but <laughs> I just wanted I, I wanted more, you know, Wesley and I wanted his adventures and all the fun happening on screen and yeah, it's it's not until I kind of grew a little older that I'm like, holy crap, it's Columbo and Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I am totally the same way. I didn't see the reason to have those two characters, but I also didn't understand film. It was literally just entertainment. <laughs> so are we talking about childhood here childhood here, or are we talking about those two characters? You can talk about both. Good. Well, why not? Because yeah. I didn't see this movie in my childhood. <laughs> That's Surprise! Fine. I did have an opportunity to see this in middle school at a church lock-in, and you spend the whole night in there, and they do things, and one of them was watching this movie. I just heard the name Princess Bride, and was like, that does not conform to my gender identity, especially at this <laughs> church. I can't do this. <laughs> and I uh, refused to listen to people who uh, told me, no, this is a really fun movie. You should watch it. And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to sit here with my Game Boy, play Final Fantasy, whatever it was. As an adult, going back and watching it, uh, the first time I watched through, I also did not care for. 
<laughs> those two characters. However, I saw it as a wonderful play way to drive the story through. Mm. And actually, uh, watching it recently, I liked how that kept time in the movie because you could see where the grandpa was in the book and you knew where you were in the movie. You're like, oh, I'm halfway through. Great. Let's yeah. buckle in for some more storytelling. That's a great point. I didn't think mm-hmm. about that. And it took me a few watches in order to really appreciate those two characters. And yeah. As, as being the... The elderly man of this group. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say that uh, the Peter Falk character really is more emotionally grabbing as an adult. Now I get it <laughs> way more than I did earlier because when I was a kid, I wanted that what Fred Savage character wanted, the action, the adventure, the sports, fighting, you know, all that stuff. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I like the passing it on, the as you wish as I go out the door. Yeah, for sure. So we have so many movies nowadays that are kind of starting to break the fourth wall and kind of getting into that aspect, but actually having a film that incorporates that as part of the story still, it was charming and really endearing. I really enjoy flipping back and forth between the two. And speaking of movies that break the fourth wall, Deadpool even took (laughs) this opening sequence idea and put it into the lower rated version of Deadpool 2 where he kidnaps Hmm. Fred Savage and forces him into a bedroom where he tells him the story of Deadpool 2 or something. No, the first Deadpool, Once Upon a Time in in Deadpool? Yeah, it was like the Christmas version. version. Something like that. I forget what it is. Anyway, I just thought it was funny because, you know, you bring up Breaking the Fourth Wall, and that's the movie today that breaks the fourth wall the most, basically. exactly. So that's kind of fun. And I will say this. I had two takeaways from that opening scene, which were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. One, I have no recollection of any other movie that starts literally with Grandoy's title screen, Hacking and coughing. And then immediately <laughs> into a room. That was the best. I absolutely love that. You get on the screen, Princess Bride, and then all of a sudden, before anything else lands, you just hear <coughs> Fred Savage hacking his lungs out in his bed. I don't even think like Contagion or any of these movies where people are like putting on suits and trying to save their lives from mass plagues start that way. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then number two, I have probably seen this movie about a dozen times, but I never caught it until now. This is totally a Christmas movie, isn't it? It could be a Christmas movie. In the scenes with Fred Savage in the very background of his room, out the bedroom window, you can Mm -hmm. see a string of Christmas lights on the neighbor's house. And he's got all these really horribly crude paper Santas and crap on the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. not notice that. I did notice that and it was winter. And it's a present wrap <laughs> that his grandfather brings for him. I didn't even catch that. Oh, right. I didn't even catch that. See? It all adds up. It's a Christmas movie. Holy cow. Yippee-ki-yay. We have <laughs> rebranded. <laughs> Princess Bride is a Christmas movie. Make way, Die Hard. We have a new Christmas movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, all I had to say about the opening. I just I caught those yeah. things and loved them. Uh, favorite moments? Oh man, there's it's the entire movie. You, yeah, like, you, I just I can't. I'm gonna be fawning over. And this I the I understand. I it's understand awful. your stance. Um, penultimate favorite moment is way towards the end of the movie. So I'll, I will wait. I will okay. hold my my thoughts. I am in my in my thirties now, and I don't care how many times I see that damn scene, but the elderly lady shouting "boo" and Buttercup's <laughs> retort of just "Why do you do this?" <laughs> it is the funniest <laughs> thing to me, and I don't know why. I used I think to be scared just, of that lady. <laughs> I used to too, but the response from Buttercup is just so deadpan, and it's not what you expect verbally. <laughs> so it's just "Why do you do this?" It's kind of like Monty Python with Black Knight. You make me sad. You make me sad as such a weird response <laughs> to that situation. Happening. I thought you were going to talk about like Hell's Grannies or something like no, that. No, no, But yeah, it just kind of hit that same vein for me. Like I legitimately was belly laughing when that happened in, when I was watching it recently. I, I could not stop laughing at that scene. I always forget about that scene. And I go through the same steps every time. It's like, wait... Is, is this happening, or is this a dream? It's always the same beats, and then Buttercup wakes up, and I'm like, I need to have better memory. That means the movie's got you. <laughs> yup, it gets me so you. good. I think that's why it seems so magical to me, because every time it plays out, you're like, you forget about it, and the movie lets you forget about it, because it is such a random scene for that film. It's not like the rest of the movie has that style of humor. It's not like the rest of the movie has that specifically. So the mm. fact that that's just interspliced in the middle of the movie... It just comes out of nowhere, so it's it's easy to forget. And then if you grew up watching like Robin Hood Men in Tights, 
sometimes I'd blur the lines between that movie and this movie growing up because they both were medieval. They both had princesses and everything else. Both had Carrieles. Exactly. Carrieles. That's the biggest thing. When I grew up, I was convinced that they were the same movie, but yeah. <laughs> Are we doing Robin Hood Men in Tights? We can. Oh, man. I, I believe I've made my opinion on this movie known oh, in yes. previous episodes, yes. but... I'm willing to do it, yes. Are they going to reboot it? Oh, good God. <laughs> Are we at the point in our lives where we have to start watching Mel Brooks reboots? <laughs> I don't want this. I don't know that's, how they that's can. That's a scary thing. Yeah, I don't want this at all. A special moment in this movie, I think, is one, the rocketing through the introductions, and you don't miss anything. Yeah. They skim over things that are not important, like uh, Buttercup's home. It's not functional. If you look at it as a whole, that home is not functional. There are no parents there. There's no real farm to speak of. She's wearing very beat-up clothes, and then you wonder, the next scene that you see her, how the fuck did she become a princess? princess? Yeah. 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 Language, sorry. Florin is a city that exists, but it's basically just a small castle. See, all this stuff doesn't matter, so the movie doesn't show you any of it. It just, character, 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 what's happening Move it on, move it on. And then it all starts with meeting, and you know, air quotes, bad guys. Now, I mean, if you take a look at what Andrew was saying at the start, where the movie's about him planning on killing her the whole time, it's easier to find somebody who's poor and then turn them into someone you're going to kill. The sad truth is to most to be forgettable. Yeah. They wouldn't know her. They wouldn't care if she disappeared. I, I remember Robin Wright. Uh, Robin Wright's fantastic. Yeah, as a movie. Yeah. However, <laughs> if you're in that world, you would probably not even run into her because she's out in the boonies. Yeah, she is. How she met a prince, I don't know. I'm very interested in that story, but I'm kind of happy they skipped over it because they got a lot of Again, other it very doesn't interesting matter. Yeah. Maybe, Come on. Maybe it's covered in the book. We'll find out when I get it on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just to piggyback off of that, Joe, um, I was actually shocked because I, I realized that I made it to, like, what, 20 minutes into the movie, and still I didn't know Wallace Shaw's character's name. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the prince randomly said that he hired him that I learned that his name was Vizini, but, like, prior to that, it's not like the characters weren't talking to Vizini and, like, bringing his name out just for the sake of letting you know who he was. They did I, until the way towards the end that they start using exactly, his name. To, exactly. To be fair... Andre the Giant could have been saying Vizini's name the whole time. He could have, yeah. I have no idea what he was saying pretty much the entire movie. Oh, bless his heart. I miss him. He was wonderful, but (laughs) I could not understand his lines. Agreed. But same with with, uh, Inigo. 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 Sorry. Uh, Inigo, you didn't know his name until really the Cliffs of Insanity scene, too. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. there's, I mean, unless I'm missing when they call their names out, it feels like the names weren't really shoehorned in just to let you know who the characters were because they focused on the things that they wanted you to focus on, like you were saying. It's such an organic learning about who they are, such as the sailing scene with all the, air quote, bad guys. Yeah. They start rhyming right away, and they (laughs) argue with Vecini about (laughs) killing somebody, and Mm -hmm. you learn right away that the only one who has any sort of ill intent is their leader, and the other two are just along because money they got to pay the bills. Yep, exactly, exactly. Would you like a peanut? <laughs> you no were more so rhyming, poor, I mean you couldn't afford a brandy. Is brandy some sort of cheap alcohol? I guess it can be. If the, I mean aristocrat. Okay. Now, now can I just interject and say that the eel scene terrified the shit out of me? Yes, as a kid? still oh does. God, it. Big, de- I developed teepy. my understanding of what eels were in the world based <laughs> on this movie, and it took literally till even maybe not even high school for me. I mean, it might have been college age till I learned that that's not what eels really are. Like, you yeah, can, they're yeah. not monster, bloodthirsty monsters. <laughs> so many teeth. So yeah. many. Teeth. Travel in I mean, I'm in it. There's not many eels where we live. So. No. What? You know, that, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, there's some. There's some down at the aquarium. There's lampreys, and those kind of take you down the direction of the eels yeah. in this movie. We so have kind of get six foot eels. Yeah, but Sturgeon. It's not, like, but it's not like we're hopping into lakes. <laughs> those are dinosaurs. Oh right. Yeah, it's not like we're hopping into lakes though and listening to for their songs and seeing if they. Oh just man, that would be creepy if Sturgeons made that sound. Like Holy crap! That haunting, <laughs> haunting sound. Yeah. And then during. Winter months when people are out ice fishing, you would just hear it echo yeah, even more ice. under the ice oh coming out God. the holes. No, no, that, no, would no. Be that would be a terrifying. horror movie in the making. Quick McNotes. Some sturgeon horror, horror movie, quick, I guess. Quick, oh, quick McNotes. Yes. Uh, trademark. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the sturgeon Covered. song. We, we got it. We got it. No it's one fine. else can have it. 
Sturgeon song or song of the sturgeon? Ooh. Song of Sturgeon. I feel like the trailer would have to have someone getting pulled into a hole. Oh, oh, God! <laughs> okay, we gotta okay, get back to the movie. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. We got this. Anyways, so, anyways, so, so I love the design of that boat too. Like it instantly mm-hmm. brought me back. It's like that boat is so weirdly designed, and it didn't match up with any yes. other like Viking ships or like wooden ships I saw as a child. It's it always a, stuck out. It's to a me. toy. Yeah, that's what. Yep. Because Fred Savage character can't imagine a boat any other way than what's. Oh my god, that's amazing! That's amazing because there is that scene where Fezzik pushes the boat away when they get to the Cliffs of Insanity, and I I watched as as the uh, ornate head ornament basically like bobbled around. Mm -hmm. It it just looked like a toy duck being pushed away, so that makes sense. And I just thought of that now. I wasn't like, oh, I knew this all along. Well, no, 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 no. That definitely works. That works because honestly, the whole imagery and the whole feel of the movie as I was watching it, I felt like. This isn't actors being serious acting in a movie. This is actors literally looking like they're pulled out of a book and basically acting a book, which is mm-hmm. insane to me because it just it felt like you're watching a book being read, which is exactly the intent. When I was younger, and I didn't really notice it till literally three days ago when I watched the movie, when Wesley's boat is really far away, it's this, like, big, <laughs> intimidating monster of a ship mm-hmm. and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> the closer it gets to 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 Vicini and and Fezzik and Inigo and I just I I never like put two and two together till Andy you said that and I'm and now I'm just like oh it all makes sense now. Seriously, I was fucking laughing my ass off. I was dying watching them climb the Cliffs of Insanity for the first time in years watching the movie. Freaking Wesley just powerhousing up that rope He's with just so his arms. And just kicking his legs out. <laughs> his legs are just dangling. He's just pulling himself up. That was hysterical to me. Goes without saying, the sword fight at the top of the Cliffs of Insanity was on my list of notes. It, oh, it's so good. One of my favorite sword fights in a movie, even though watching it again. There are parts where it's a little clumsy. Oh, for sure. But it's it's knowing it as a kid and watching it and being so excited about it and then seeing it again as an adult as being more fun and not as serious as when I saw it as a kid. And I'm seeing your face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am going to have to remember that this is a child uh, making up a sword fight in his head. So... Mm. Their sword fight just being like every other sword fight in movies where they're just hitting swords. They're not actually trying to kill each other. But they establish that. They're almost friends before they start fighting. And that is fair. However, the point was to the death. True. I'd, true. I'd rather destroy a work of art than a swordsman like you. Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, I didn't get it perfect. That's close. close yeah. enough. The sword fights in movies generally irritate me. Yeah. There's this, there's like Star Wars where they're like, ooh, yeah, let's Star Wars the- sword fights are terrible. I still love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, but- yeah. <laughs> See, and I guess this is probably where I have too much knowledge and it ruins things for me. I did watch the behind the scenes featurette on the sword fight choreography for the movie. How dare you? I know, I know. And it actually did a damn good job. It, it looks a little bit floaty, it looks a little bit f- fun and silly but at the same time, like, they did put a lot of effort into it. And, and also it does fit the jib of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think I would want to see a straight up murder fest. I mean, up until the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Up until the very end of the movie, but I just noticed in that the uh, they was they're attacking each other's swords, not each other's bodies. The idea yeah, was an true. Errol Flynn style swashbuckle swing yeah. from the chandelier, and that's kind definitely of what it. And that's what it was, and that it's, was it's fun. Not like heavy hits. It's not like they're trying to kill each other. It's just like, oh, I'm the fanciest, and basically tapping tips. And let's talk. Let's go back here a little bit. Yeah, uh, Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. This entire start of the movie, expert tracker. Oh, I was laughing yeah. my ass off. He's like, oh, look, we have this going on here. They were touching swords right there. Somebody went that way. They don't went this way. Let's go this way. That's the way that they were going. Okay, great. actually going forward, not backwards. At the end of the movie, <laughs> Humperdinck loses all of this specialty, and he just becomes a bumbling idiot. Because he always was. He's kind of the Lord Farquaad of the movie. He started off so strong, and he lost a lot of ability by the end of the movie. I think it's because it's a facade. 
that gets broken down. You just lucked out? What, seeing footsteps in the sand and understanding <laughs> that's where people were and that if you put two and two together, how they shuffle back and forth that they were having a sword fight? Yes. I think that's pretty easy to figure out. Okay. And I don't want to dwell too long on the sword fight, but I do want to bring up something that really excited me on this viewing. The super sharp uh, knife that they used to cut the uber thick rope in like two seconds. I What's always... the point of being a swashbuckling <laughs> adventurer if you got a dull knife? I was just very impressed with the sharp knife. I yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> Should have just used an eel with those teeth. <laughs> so Inigo uh, says, I'm going to do them with my left hand because it'll be more satisfying Sporting. for him. Yeah, right. yeah. And I start paying attention because this is everything that I always think about in this scene is, okay, now he's doing a ruse. He's putting on a trick. He does everything with his right hand in that scene. And his sword is on his left side. So naturally he's going to pull it out with his right hand. But he's trying to portray that he's left-handed. Throughout all his interactions with the man in black, he's gesturing with his right hand. He takes his sword out with his right hand. He balances it on his right hand. Mm -hmm. But when they go to sword fight, he just casually slips it over to his left hand. He gave it away the whole time. And the man in black, otherwise, is doing poker face the whole time. His sword's on his right hip, pulls it out by left, which is natural, but he's also right-handed and has that game going the whole time and doesn't give it away. So it was something for me, watching it again, that, wow, Inigo really doesn't know how to fool somebody. He's just very straightforward (laughs) about himself. He's a super nice, open guy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But also, the man in black didn't actually have any interaction with him up until he was pulling him up from the cliff. So he didn't get all those... No, he didn't have to understand what Inigo was doing. He just had his own thing going and not giving away any information. But the whole time, Inigo's giving everything away and then trying to fool him. I do have to throw a note in. Uh, This movie ranks at the absolute top of my list of movies that... I I, I don't know if there's any other movies even on my list, but this is at the very top. (laughs) I had to rewind the freaking sword fight scene three times because I couldn't believe it. No freaking shing sound as the swords are pulled out of sheaths. And then I, I followed that the rest of the movie and realized, holy crap, never once do they interject that in. That stupid sound that Hollywood's always thrown in for sword fights is nowhere in this movie. It's like guns cocking. Yeah, guns cocking, swords going shing for no reason. (laughs) Steel being pulled against leather going shing. But yeah, that was great. What do you mean? It's really hard leather. Yeah, I guess. Except for you can see his flopping around as he's rolling around and everything. Hard, hard leather. Dan knows all about hard leather. (laughs) Hard, hard leather. Hard, hard, hard leather. Oh, wait, are we getting to the uh, soul-sucking part? Uh, yeah, if that's where you want to go next. Oh, uh, we were just talking about hard leather, and I was just reminded of the suction cups on the on the nipples. <laughs> yes. That's where the life is sucked out of his body. I well, think I think that was a weird moment for me as a child, because, again, with the blurred lines between this and Robin Hood Men in Tights, like, I always, I always saw Carrie Ellis as Robin Hood. So then, you know, when I'd watch this movie or when this movie was on, my parents were watching it, it'd always be weird because I'm like, wait, why does Robin Hood have suction cups on his nipples? <laughs> this is weird <laughs> black and white for me. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but yeah. Actually kind of a difficult scene in such a lighthearted movie. Like yeah. straight up yes. torture, the mm-hmm. screaming and all that. Yes. Yeah. But it was still not overbearing. It was really well done. Just Absolutely. The, mm-hmm. On the nipples was a bit funny to me. Was it self-censure? Did the producers decide this isn't something we want to have in our movie, so we'll just, he's got to be shirtless. Oh, they, they have him shirtless without suction cups. That's true. So hmm. rewind it and get a face full of them nips. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy no, no, I, I hate to pull things back but we are skipping literally my favorite scene of yes. this whole movie what is it fucking fire swamps that's my favorite whole like holistically the entire movie is amazing but that scene specifically is what i come for i, I love just the swamp decorations i love the design i love him just walking like there's so many unexplained things like Obviously, yes, you have the rodents of the usual size and things like that, and you have the random fire pits blasting up. But the, I feel like there's more life to that swamp than they really give out. And it kind of reminds me of like Peter Jackson-style King Kong, where you don't really all know what's going on on the island. You just get a taste of what's there. The scene where, where Wesley's guiding her through when they first get into the swamp, and they're going past these giant-ass honeycombs. I mean, seriously, the wasps or the bees that made those honeycombs have to have been probably about the size of a freaking dog, so... I mean, there's crazy stuff happening in that swamp that you just don't know about. It just feels alive. It feels like there's crap happening all over the place with the sound that they have spiraling through. And just, 
I, I, I hate that it was cut so short. As a kid, I always hoped that one Wesley said we could go back and live there. <laughs> <laughs> I always wish they would, but yeah. Of course, the Battle of Wits is funny. It's great. It is. It's classic. It's, it's a, a classic, classic scene. Yeah. It's a classic scene. I, as a kid, I always hated it, though, just because it felt like Vicini was just like on screen for a blip. And his, his end was just so brief and so sudden. Whereas you have the cool sword fight with, you know, Inigo, and then you also have, you know, the kind of brief fight, I guess, with the rock throwing with uh, Fessick, but then they're back in, and they're your buddies throughout the rest of the movie carrying the rest of the film. As a kid, I hated that scene, but as an adult, I appreciate it a little bit more. I think that uh, Vizzini didn't have the ability to be a buddy in that sort of sense because yes. he was Bad the guy. one paying them, bringing exactly. them on board, being a jerk to them. And as an adult, I get that, but as a kid, I just... It just felt like, boom, done. Yeah. yeah. Why is his character gone? Yeah, it was just so sudden and so brief. It was just gone. I think he had more lines, though, than the other guys did. He did. Because he agree. talks a so lot. He does. Yes, Which is very does. much that character, and I love it. Yes, absolutely. You killed my father scene. So when uh, Inigo finally ca- catches up with Count Rogu, Rogan? Count, Count Rogan. The spaghetti sauce baron. Great scene. As a kid, I just thought it was a good fight scene. Then later yeah. learning that Mandy Potemkin, wonderful actor, used his father's fight with cancer to connect to that scene. And then watching it as an adult, knowing that he's fighting his father's cancer literally in that scene gets me waterworks every time yep yeah. i was going to make a that specific note god that scene, that scene so emotional because of that so much more different now that i know that yep Woof. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i first <laughs> holy crap i first read about that a couple of years ago and watching the scene again as an adult the whole scene was fun and the whole scene was fanciful and then you get to that scene where he sticks him and it just hits it hits like a f- freaking I, I just the way he delivers that line the sweat in his face the way his face looks like everything about that line being delivered is phenomenal you just feel it you absolutely mm-hmm. feel what he's saying so yeah knowing that background history it's intense i learned something new today there you go i will still say that was a fairly emotional scene even without that it's good now you have to go back and watch it again yes appreciate it more Fine. See, coming from me, where I've been watching this since I don't know how old I was when I started watching this like, over and over and over again, to hear that lands very well for someone who's watched it, what? Oh, like four times. Okay, good, good, yeah. good, good. And didn't know the background. I mean, yeah. that's impressive. Well, I didn't know the background until a few years ago either, so. Yeah, I picked it. It was. It's in, it's in one of the commentaries. The understated performance in this movie is the king, the elderly king. Yep. <laughs> yes. That man is oh, that sounds hilarious nice. in this movie. <laughs> if you did not catch all of his moments, you are missing out and you need to go back and review them He's because so aloof. He is. It really is, is hilarious everything that man does. How is this man a regent of land? <laughs> Those are good parts without going over the whole movie. As we almost did, but almost. We, we held back because yeah, right. we I'm could gonna, go over the whole movie. Because yeah. I'm going to. My favorite part is is Wesley laying in, in bed. Whoa. Threat, <laughs> threatening, threatening Prince Humperdinck. Hard with his own With his own, <laughs> my God, it comes round circle. I really need to work on not saying things and having it come bite me in the ass. Did you just say That's it comes fine. round circle? Yes. And bites you in, in the, the ass. ass. In the ass. Yes, okay. <sighs> With that hard leather? <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, go on. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The scene where Wesley threatens... Prince Humperdinck with the end of his own life being not death, but just endless mm. psychological torture. Oh, God, yes. Is... <laughs> Leaving his perfect ears. Yep. <laughs> that whole scene, if I'm thinking up new characters, I'm looking back at that. This is the kind of hero that I want to have. A hero who will go after the bad guy and give the bad guy what he deserves. It has always been the fa- my favorite scene of the, this movie. Everything else is... Fantastic, and I love everything about this movie, but that monologue—it just rings to me. Yeah, that that monologue stuck with me as a kid, and watching it as an adult, I got a good hearty chuckle out of it. But what made me laugh even harder 
again, just a nice solid belly laugh was, you know, after they tie Humperdinck to the chair and he stands up and wobbles over. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. I knew he was, that was bluffing. So good. I knew he was bluffing the entire time. <laughs> that scene has humor. It has intensity. It has the hero winning and no one's dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has a lot of really good points to it, and it's really cool. So since we went over all, all the good points. All of them? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was all the our, good points. Our favorites. Our favorites. Well, oh, yes. probably not all of our favorites, but, well, you know. One, one, last, we, one we, last good thing before okay, we get yeah. into bads, because I don't want this to get lost. <laughs> yep. I love the set designs. The set designs are yes. just classic. Oh, to yeah. me, they just spoke so much to like how movies used to be made. High Every single set was just gushing with detail. And then the English countrysides, everything was just mm. so freaking gorgeous and lush. Mm. Agreed. It was a beautiful movie. Just sets alone were just amazing. Yeah. I honestly felt watching it that this is probably like my high point, like my watermark about how fantasy movies look. And I don't think I've seen anything come close to looking this good, in my opinion, at least. It just was lush and beautiful. So now that we got that in. Yes. Sorry. What did not work in this movie? What took you out of it? (coughs) Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) You notice we never listed Billy Crystal as being one of the main good points of this movie. It was awkward. As a kid, I didn't like the scene. And as an adult, I don't like the scene. But I, I don't like it less. For me... When it's just Billy Crystal being his Billy Crystal self, it's awkward as hell. But the second his wife comes into the room and they're playing off of each other, then it evens out. But when it's just Billy Crystal in the room and he's trying to do all the shticks and everything while trying to take care of Wesley, up until his wife comes in, I I, I couldn't get into it. It's like, here's a famous friend! (laughs) You know, you can tell it's Billy Crystal. It is Rob Reiner's famous friend. It is Rob Reiner's famous (laughs) friend, yes, but... I don't know. That, that for me didn't hold up. I would disagree. I always thought it was a, it didn't flow with the rest of the movie, but it was there to get the hero back because as a kid, Wesley's dead. He's gone. Like, he's not coming back. He's only what mostly are we doing? dead. Mostly dead. That wasn't brought up right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, it's it's got nothing to do with Billy Crystal. I love Billy Crystal. And I love movies Billy Crystal's in. I grew up watching tons of his movies. I love them. I don't know why I just don't like him in this movie. It's For me, jarring. It's, it is jarring. It feels like somebody basically just, I, I get it, again, I get it, it's Rob Reiner's friend, but I, I, it feels like somebody would be like, okay, we need we need an old man for this scene. Uh, I don't know, let's just go grab Gilbert Godfrey. He's not doing anything. You can put as much prosthetics on that man as you want, but he's still going to be himself. <laughs> You're still going to hear that voice come through, so. And that scene And I would have is... still had fun with it because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, I, that scene is longer than most other scenes in the movie, too. So they gave it a little bit more time. Yeah. And it felt like improv happening. Like, they're all being, as my wife would say, shecky. I think that describes exactly how I felt. Yeah. yeah. Outside of that scene? Anything else? Uh, uh, the rodents were on... Hey, shut up. I, I, I know what you're saying. It was still better than CGI. <laughs> That's like my notes, but backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I literally wrote that. I'm like, I really don't. I love the R-O-U-S's, and I, I get it. They, you know, they're not fancy, but good God, at least they're not CGI. Yeah. Yeah. The yep. other thing is, at the end of the movie, those kissing noises are so loud. I wrote it down at the end of my notes, so it must have been at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard time finding a part of the movie that I didn't like, but I'm go- I, I go into this movie and I'm blind to everything. <laughs> I'm squeezing you, Dan. You, have to, squeeze you have to say something. I don't know. Something. There wasn't anything that like anything. bias. Shake it. I don't know. Like, there wasn't. There wasn't a point. Like okay, fine. Like I guess out of all the times that I watched this movie, the sword fight scene, I'm pulling at. I'm pulling little itty bitty tiny hairs. Yeah. Seeing either the actors or the stunt doubles land on the ground. Oh, and the yeah. ground is definitely like a mattress or just a landing yes. pad covered in gravel. I caught that because I, I saw it go thump and I yep, saw like, you could a see cloud it, You could see it lift off the ground just a little bit. But it's so charming. And same thing with that uh, gymnastics pole that's clearly just a pole. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. And that is kind of weird. Why are we excusing that for this movie just because it's the Princess Bride? But any other movie we'd be like, ha ha ha, look at that fake but shit. it fits into the it theme of the, the movie, movie, which is lighthearted and goofy. It's, mm. it's, being, it's being thought in a child's head. Yes. Thank if this you. was Dark City, we would be all over that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Another time. <laughs> exactly, yes. 
I but think, like, I yeah, I, I'm in the I have a hard that, time finding things that I don't like about this movie. I agree yeah. with you, Dan. Everything that I would say would be nitpicky. Overall, it does its job. It's, it's a story it's being sus- told. Suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job with pulling you in by characters. And everything else is okay to come along because it it all works. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with this movie. Ex- except for <laughs> Billy Crystal. <laughs> I, enjoy, I actually enjoy that scene and that's yeah which is unusual because usually the improv type scenes in movies really drive me batty but yeah. i know ken can't participate very much in this but i'll let's, try you get try. out of here how has this movie changed for you over time and we've kind of talked about this throughout the way but how is it different now from when you watched it as a younger you definitely now less of an entertainment aspect it's not a movie i want to watch to be entertained it's a movie that i enjoy for the story being told isn't that not entertaining yes but i didn't when i was younger i would just watch it because i love all of the high action now i enjoy the movie in a deeper level there's just things that i notice now that i would have totally blown over when i was younger i feel like there's less high action in the movie mm-hmm. when I watch it now than when I watch it as a kid. Yep. Like, I fooled myself into <laughs> thinking that there was way more action in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt watching it. I was like, this seems a lot more tame. And it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And there's just so many more things you can pull out of it because of that. But even when you say action, it doesn't necessarily mean the sword fights. There's also, like, there's still the tension there when you're going through the fire swamps. Yeah. There's still tension. It's not necessarily fighting and action. And it's not necessarily in your face, Arnold Schwarzenegger killing everybody action. It's more subdued, moving forward tension, which helps. It keeps you engaged with the movie. I can appreciate the fact that the movie pushes itself forward so much at all all the points. It doesn't yeah. often sit on its heels. Except it's for when they kill Wesley. I mean, when they kill Wesley, it definitely brings the movie down a lot. And then yeah. you have to try but to But they don't forward. dwell on it for too long. They they dwell on it just enough. They just do, enough. Do. But yeah. but I agree with Ken. Like does, if there was a point where it did feel like it did slog in any way, shape, or form, it did kind of lose traction just briefly. But right. it never really like went off the rails. It just kind of this right. part's not as fast as that part was. Yeah. For me, you got Wesley Dine, bring him to those people, which I know I laughed at. I don't remember why, because I don't really remember much of that, except for the fact that there are two old people being angry at each other, which is great. With the mutton, um, lettuce, and tomato where the and then you have nice and lean. <laughs> you have, uh, you got Fezzik and uh, Ingo being layabouts because they don't know what they're doing with their life. Mm-hmm. Like, you got, a, you got a series of down going on right there, and it's kind of a hard dig out to get onto that wall where they're looking and trying to start making plans, and Wesley still can't move, so you're like, ah, just get moving. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree with that because it's so tight-knit in the beginning because everybody's already together or they're just getting together, whereas everybody just bands and, yeah, it's like get the band back together to finish off the movie. Yeah, I know you have to do that. It's just, it just it took a little bit for the movie to feel like it was moving again. Let's just once blame it got this moving, on Billy Crystal. Let's just yes. blame Billy Crystal. <laughs> oh, yeah, Billy Crystal. Sorry. What was I Sucking talking about? Sucking the air out of that room. All right, does the movie still stand up? Absolutely. Absolutely. I this see. movie will stand for years. That yeah. was something that I, 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 I remember making notes of, was that if they were to ever reboot this movie, God forbid that they do, they'd end up falling into the pop culture reference trap. There aren't... Okay. okay yeah. There are very few pop culture references from its time. Yeah, no, I feel like it's completely removed. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. it's its own thing, and that's what makes it special. That's the probably young, why so many people love it. If it had the young boy playing a new console instead of an Atari, change the kid doing well, he's something got in the beginning. he behind him. And he's change, got Lamborghini change, posters. He's got... You could leave the Lamborghini posters. <laughs> change a couple of the other set pieces at the very beginning, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. wouldn't be able to tell what time Are you, are you trying in. to say, like, he'd be laying in bed on his iPhone and telling his grandpa to fuck off when he comes over? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could. Reed, what's that? Man. The fuck a book? <laughs> <laughs> Throws it out the window. Yeah, no, Andre the Giant is the one pop reference of the movie. Yeah, and I had a shower thought, and the only thing that popped in my head is if a reboot ever did get made. Like the first thing that popped in my head was, oh, they probably put Dave Batista as Andre the Giant, <laughs> like something along those lines. Like I just tried to picture like what's a popular face right now that's along those lines. I, I hate the idea that they would even think about rebooting this movie, but, you know. But if you're going to talk about it, Bautista would not be a terrible choice for No, he Fuzzik. wouldn't. I, I, I love him. I, love I don't want to see it. So far, but. The problem is no one is a giant 
you have yeah. I mean, yeah, the he was closest legitimate. giant we have right now in TV or film is the guy from Iceland, uh, the guy who played uh, in Game of Thrones. Oh, he's, uh, no. He's huge. He's like probably like seven foot tall. He's muscular. You're talking about the guy who played the mountain. Yes, the mountain. Oh, yeah. yes. I've heard he's of that. The, and he's not really a giant, like you said. He's, like, yeah, I'm, he's not. Like, I'm watching this movie, and one of the things that stuck out to me is when uh, Fezzik got his head close to Inigo's, you, you look at it, it's like, holy shit, if he opened his mouth, it'd almost go over his head. His like, hands. They, they make a reference to that in, yeah. in the movie, when Inigo's coming out of his drunken stupor, he grabs Fezzik's hand, puts yeah, his hand yeah. in Andre's hand, that's and that's it's right, huge. Right. That, that guy's huge. hand yeah. was, I, he, could, he could hold my head like a basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't think we understood how big he was when we were kids. Could you put him up next to like five, seven, and you know, hundred and fifty pound people, you're like, whoa, Jesus. what throw, is going on? You throw him on a boat with Wallace Shawn, have Wallace Shawn yelling at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I can't for the life of me imagine them trying to replace that. You it just, you just can't. can't. No. You're going to end up with a Gandalf situation Weird. where they're going to do forced perspective. Oh, yeah. And green screening and stuff like that oh, to make God. it happen. It's It just won't be the same. Are nope. you suggesting Peter Jackson as the director for the new one? <sighs> no. <laughs> All right. So let's break our brains and say the reboot has to happen. No. Like, what would be an acceptable way to remake The Princess Bride? Jesus, I just, as I said that, and as that whole thing just popped in my head and how awful the landscape's been in Hollywood for the last couple of years, sadly, the first person to pop in my goddamn head to replace Vizzini, replace Wallace Shaw, would be fucking Kevin Spacey. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know why they shoved in there. It's like... Because they look alike? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> it's the it lack just popped of in like fucking Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. It's just there. <laughs> it's there. Okay, so if it did have to be remade... Well, I had seen on the internet, oh, we're going to do Princess Bride. I was like, no, don't do that. And then on the internet one day... I <laughs> that was like, like 98% of the people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Leave that movie that was alone. Me. It's you like leave a, it alone. It's like the same response for Back to the Future. Why? It's time to bring that up. No, but, we're good. <laughs> yeah. uh, on the Reddit, they were doing a thing. What if they redid The Princess Bride as a Muppet movie? I like that idea. I know you were excited about this, and I know you guys explained it to me, but I still can't get on board. The Muppets just aren't a thing anymore. They brought back the Muppets for the Muppet movie, and it was phenomenal. The second Muppet movie, everybody lost interest. Now there's nothing to the point where Disney's even tearing the Muppet attractions out of the parks. I love the Muppets, but it's getting to a point, sadly, in our lives where we're approaching that point where new kids aren't going to give a crap. 80, late 80s to 70s. early 90s, well, 70, even 70s, they were more than a staple. Phenomenon. So Jason Segal, he really, really, really did magic for the Muppet movie that came out mm-hmm. back in whatever it was. That movie was pristine. Everything about it was, you could tell, one of the biggest fans of the Muppets ever bringing this thing back to the spotlight for everybody to see and understand why he enjoyed it so much and getting new generations to enjoy it. And then he said, there, I did my part. I got it set for you guys and walked away and didn't do the second one. And they didn't know what the hell to do with it. And then it just fell apart. And the magic about the Muppets hands down would be the fact that you wouldn't be focused on an actor you dislike playing any of the characters. Mm. It's the Muppets. They bring Mm. their own magic, their own charm to each individual character. So yeah, that would work. Would animated work. No. Oh, no. no. Fuck no. No. <laughs> no. It wouldn't. I mean, it what, just, it wouldn't. What if we had <laughs> Carrie Elways doing the voice of oh. Wesley? What if we had Robin Wright as Buttercup? Sean Wallace is still out there kicking up stuff. He could do Vizzini. <laughs> what the hell is Sean Wallace kicking up these days? He was in Mar- Marriage Story. Oh, was he in Marriage? Yeah. Holy shit, he was in Marriage Story. I just watched it and I forgot he was even yeah. in it. He had an awesome little side role. Oh man, now I feel really bad. I mean, you could just you could just have Fred Savage come back and be Grandpa. That that's doable, but then who would you have as the grandson? A Muppet. Well, I mean, no if you're the Muppets, you'd if, have oh, to do just, no. just a no name. Oh no, I like where you're going with this. We could go the whole Jumanji route instead of <laughs> a book. Instead of a book, his grandpa comes over with an old SNES or a Genesis game, and he's like, "What the hell's a Princess Bride?" Shoves it in, and starts playing it. <laughs> Did you watch the last Jumanji? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
I think you should before you go and hate on that because I went into no, I, I went love, into that. I love Jumanji. No, no, the okay. One that not, you not haven't the newest seen. one. The oh. newest one I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen the newest one either yet. Oh, I thought you were asking that. No, no, the, the, the remake that, the, of Jumanji remake, was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my god, we're getting so off topic talking about remakes. <laughs> <laughs> but that Jumanji was phenomenal. I loved it. I walked into it hating it. When I watched the trailer, I hated it. Yep. I sat there and I said, I said to my wife, I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. This is such a piece of shit. Look what they've done to Jumanji. Then next thing you know, I actually watched the movie and it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So reboots can, can be, good. be good. Very rarely can yes. they be good. It's a lot easier to like a movie when you go in expecting to hate it. When you got something that you got to treat with kid gloves because it's the Princess Bride, it's going to be so hard oh, to get yeah. anything yeah, there's positive a, out of it. So that's a Ghostbusters 2016. It's a topic for another episode. <laughs> yes, yes. We only scratched the surface of reboots here. <laughs> yeah. In our own <laughs> yeah. reboot. <laughs> so if we want to keep scratching our reboots... <laughs> We can continue doing that. Final thoughts on Princess Bride? We all know that we are vehemently against a reboot. Agreed. Yes, absolutely. Even if it's a cute Muppet movie, it probably shouldn't be done. It'd be a fun fan movie, but I don't know. There was one thing I, I, I really caught that I, I had a good chuckle at, just yeah. simply due to the fact of the nature of this podcast and us talking about the reboot and talking about going back and everything. Just for the review purpose, it was kind of funny because before the sword fight scene, when Inigo's talking to Wesley, he says, and I quote, let me explain, no, there's too much, let me summarize. I feel like that fits us perfectly right now. <laughs> Maybe feel all warm like and fuzzy it. as it came up, yeah. Yeah. You guys want to play a little game quick? Oh, Oh, what do you think the budget is of this movie? Five, oh. five, um, five. It was, it was less than it was less than fifty grand. Grand? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, giving things away. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, eleven mil. I'll go two hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. Seventy-five thousand. Uh, it was actually about sixteen mil. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Count me wrong. Based off the movie, I felt it was in the teens somewhere. I don't know money. Here, here's the fun thing for the box office. The gross USA profits was $30,857,814. And the cumulative worldwide was about 30000 above that. Oh, the world did not like this movie. Nope. Holy cow. Well, this was the rebooted version of The Rewinders covering, once again... The Princess Bride, but with a reboot twist a little bit. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks to cover... Oh, what if we reboot something else? All right, thank you for listening. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.